done is always better than perfect. And let's literally get the first version out there with mistakes. Let's get it out there and ship it in order to get feedback to know what we need to improve upon it. Because one of the, my favorite presuppositions, guys, from NLP is there's no such thing as failure, there's only feedback. Welcome to Satori Prime's Have It All podcast, where you get your fix of personal development without any of that fluff. A podcast dedicated to the unending quest of self-discovery and remembrance. You'll discover new breakthrough thinking and feeling technology that will cause shifts in all areas of your life, your finances, your body, relationships, and most importantly, your mind. You'll uncover your truest self, and for probably the first time in your life, feel 100% worthy of having it all. It's time to stop talking and fantasizing about your dream life and start living it. So get ready to have your mind expanded in the best way possible. Now, fair warning, if you implement what you learn here, your life will never, ever be the same. So are you ready to have it all? Let's go. So today's testimonials from a good friend of ours, Gabe Arnold, who we've actually been on his podcast. And I, again, I wanted to share some feedback about this amazing meditation that we've just released. Again, you can get it at satoriprime.com forward slash meditate. So Gabe writes, I want to share my feedback on the meditation. I'm not the average user, but I think the feedback will still be useful. I'm on, I'm on the spectrum, which is one of the gifts I really cherish about myself. And it leads me to learn that I have some natural abilities in other areas of my life. I'm a self-taught Reiki practitioner, and I have some other paranormal skills that I've been developing too. Anyway, here's my feedback and experience with this so far. I absolutely love it. I've never done one like this before, and I felt like both beginners and more experienced meditators could really get a lot of value out of it. The first time I used it, I actually used it to channel some healing energy for my partner, Rachel, who was sleeping next to me. She had a sore throat when she fell asleep, and so I felt her energy in my body and focused the healing metabolism energy there in my body as I did non-contact Reiki on her. The next morning, her sore throat, which was pretty severe for two days before that, was gone. I was also simultaneously using the wires and missing pieces part to heal some emotional pain I've had in my life. That part is something that will stick with me for a long time. Thank you so much for the imagery and the guidance in that area. Anyway, thanks for providing this. It's already made a huge impact on my practice, and I was able to heal some 20-year-old emotional pain. I appreciate you both, and we appreciate you, Gabe. Uh, Gabe, if you're hearing this and you want to reach out, happy to share with you a little gift. And um, yeah, if you, Gabe just illustrated it beautifully, but if you're looking for a meditation that will help you heal these really like decade old emotional pains, and you've tried reading books and going to seminars and things like that, and it just hasn't cleared, I can pretty much promise you, because we've seen this time and time again, the results speak for themselves. You can heal yourself from within and this meditation is a beautiful start. So again, you can head over to storyprime.com forward slash meditate, grab yours today, and we'd love to hear from you how it went. Enjoy the show. All right, friends from all over the world, welcome to another episode here of the Personal Development Without the Fluff podcast. Uh, have, as Elon says, it's really important when there's three of us here. Um, so there's three of us here. Um, and I also have, uh, my very good friend, Peter Scott, the fourth loosely called PS4. 
to yeah. his uh, inner circle. I'm going to do a quick intro, and then I'll let you do your more formal one. Um, so Peter and I, we live in uh, in the same area, um, share our group of friends, and uh, I've seen Peter kind of grow his entire business, really from uh, you know asking a lot of questions and being curious to becoming a person that a lot of coaches in the industry rely on to help them uh, get their first sales or get their first consistent sales and really bring their business to six figures. So that's the formal stuff. On the informal stuff, <laughs> I love Peter <laughs> <laughs> and his wife and they're really, really good friends and uh, they have a wonderful sense of humor. Um, Peter has this uh, childlike energy about him that's uh, very infectious and contagious and makes you all realize why the fuck are we taking life so seriously. Um, and he's balanced that out really well with just being a business professional and a really grounded human being. So I'm very, very excited to uh, bring him onto the show because it's been way too long. Uh, I was going to say, it's taken a long, long damn time. time I know, I'm, I know. Crazy. So, the wondrous and only <laughs> Peter Scott IV. Welcome, welcome. I'll take the wondrous because Stefan's the glorious. So wondrous is pretty cool too. We don't talk about Stefan on the show. It's a, yeah, he's it's not going to make it on the no show. No Stefan show. He's not going to make it on the show. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys, thank you for having me. This is awesome. So absolute, absolute pleasure. Yeah. And then you two, you've connected before, you guys, a little bit. Yeah. So Elon and I actually we met at the big event that you guys did in La Jolla. That's right. Um, and. You know, I remember that we connected because you had a really good uh, experience and relationship with Sean Stevenson yes. and Mindy. Right. And I think they were catalysts for you guys leading that first event, first yes. big one you guys did. Which Mindy, was awesome. Mindy was pretty much the catalyst. Yeah. Yeah, she's quite a catalyst. Uh, yeah. So that totally makes sense. Yeah, so that, that's worth mentioning, actually. So Peter um, was one of Sean Steven is one of Sean Stevenson's best friends. Um, probably one of the first phone calls I got made uh, at Sean's passing. So for anybody that knows Sean, like Peter has had extraordinary relationship and experiences with him uh, all over the world. And I think it's actually something worth touching upon as to kind of like honor Sean. So we do that a little later on. Um, but just to kind of let the people know, get grounded in who you are, um, how do you experience yourself? How do you introduce yourself? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, how do I introduce myself? I am, uh, I mean, my whole purpose, my whole mission is to literally shift the way humanity experiences fear so that it no longer stops us. Um, I don't think that, you know, being without fear is a really healthy thing, but I think having the courage to do the things that terrify us is really, really powerful. And everything that we desire is on the other side of that. So I do it through the lens guy, like you said, of helping coaches. Cause I think that coaches are messengers, right? We have this ability to help people and have a ripple effect throughout humanity. And so if I can teach them the strategy stuff, but also do the deep work around mindset and emotional healing, then, um, it just, it just has a big impact. Um, like you said, I am a 12 year old in a 35 year old body right now. So I have this weird childlike wonder and curiosity about the world. Um, and I get fascinated by the littlest things from, uh, the taste of an orange to, you know, a sunset that you probably see way too much of on my Instagram. So that's who I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. Cause it's interesting guy and I, when we had met, we were the event that we put on, yeah. uh, one of the big things that we talked about was also, uh, we called them fear hunters and we have this whole thing about overcoming fear. Um, I'm always curious, like, how did you find your way into that being the path for you that you wanted to share with the world? 
Yeah, great question. Um, the reason I think, you know, it's interesting in the coaching speaker author space, we often, often teach what we most want to learn. Sure. Uh, at least that was my journey. So I built a whole kind of brand around being fearless is because my whole life was consumed by fear. Um, I, you know, this is back when I was young, I, you know, my first big significant moment, um, where I really understood that fear was, was running my life was, uh, I was 10 years old and um, I was sitting down, guy, you may not even know the story, which is great. Like, it's so cool that like, we actually get to go deeper on shows like this sometimes. That's why I bring you guys on the podcast. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I always um, find more about I, my friends. It's yeah. pretty much true. Like, you know, when I bring Michael on here, it's like how I get the Michael Bledsoe download of like all the weird shit happening in his life. And I'm like, I love you, brother. Totally. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I was 10 years old. I was in a, a sitting at a table in a courtroom with, uh, my grandparents on my left and attorney on my right and my mo mother directly across from me. And at 10 years old, I had to tell my mom that I was no longer feeling safe living with her because of her al alcoholism. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, we go through life. You guys know a lot about this. We have these significant emotional events in our life and those could shape us if we don't bring awareness to them and reflect back on what was the beauty of it? What were the lessons that we learned? Um, for me then what that taught me was that telling my mother the truth meant losing her love. Wow. Which I know now, right. Is not true, but it's as my 10 year old self thought that that was true. So, um, you know, I became this chameleon. I became this people pleaser, became this person who sought love and approval and validation from everyone outside of me. Um, and fast forward to my mid twenties, I wasn't coaching. I was, uh, working in investment banking of all things, Elon. So like, uh, I think both of you guys were working in finance and real estate at one point. So I was in Chicago working 80, 90 hours a week and miserable. I wasn't passionate about it. I didn't feel like it was fulfilling. I was making great money, but at the cost of my health and the cost of my relationships and another significant event happened. My dad went to the hospital and he, uh, he was really unhealthy towards the last few years of his life and literally gave up on life and, and sadly drank himself to death. And so, um, those two big events kind of gave me perspective of recognizing that fear was not just controlling me, but this was a pattern that I had carried from parents and who knows how many generations before that. Um, and so I just became a student. I, you know, read books, I hired mentors, I went to events, I jumped out of planes, I did all that stuff to understand it myself and then became really passionate about helping others with it. And you were doing that all while in investment banking. You weren't, you weren't pursuing, in other words, this aspect um, to build a coaching practice at the time. I actually was, yeah. So I. I left investment banking to pursue coaching. So um, talk about that, that alone was terrifying, right? Having that security of that, that income coming in and then having that op uh, evaporate overnight was really scary. Um, but it also kind of created a commitment that I don't know if I had the security at that time, I would have been as committed of like diving in to really grow a business. Um, I had my back against the wall. I had no income to figure out how to like make rent the end of that month. And it just created a deeper motivation for me where I metaphorically burned those boats and went all in. Yeah. yeah. Peter, what brought you to uh, San Diego? Remind me. Yeah. So actually a road trip um, with Sean. So Sean Stevenson, I, I, I had uh, flown out from Chicago to Phoenix where Sean was living. And we went on a road trip to San Diego because he has a bunch of friends here. I didn't know a single person here. And I was about to move to Denver. Um, I was a, this was before I launched my coaching business. I was actually going to go into recruiting of all things. Um, 
and we were on a road trip and he asks me about my childhood and my background. And so that story that I just told you guys, I actually didn't consciously remember that until this, uh, this road trip that I was on with Sean. You know how like we have these emotional events and sometimes we'll, our unconscious will bury it. So I had done that and Sean being a brilliant coach and therapist that he is, he dug deeper and dug deeper and pulled this story out of me. And on this trip, I'll never forget guy. I was telling him, I was like, I want to be a coach and, but who am I to do this? I don't have anything unique about my life. I've had this vanilla existence and you know, all this in like imposter syndrome. And he looks at me, he goes, Peter, like, dude, that story, like your message of who you want to help is hidden within your mess. And that's become a cliche, but like, that was the moment when it created the light bulb and the idea of launching a coaching business was on the road trip out to San Diego. Interesting. That's funny that yeah, I asked that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. It's in the mess for sure. Um, uh, can I, can I just jump in here real quick? So I was just, we were on a client call right now. And so guy and I have also, you know, very, very similar story to yours, Peter. So, uh, the, the only difference is I think we, the choice of leaving the finance world was made for us in 2010 versus yes. us like willingly choosing to yeah. get out of it. Um, and I say all the time, like if it wasn't for that economic collapse of 2008, there's no way that I'd be doing this right now. Um, so one of the things that you talked about is like these events, right. That are hidden from you. And so I had this really interesting experience today and I'm just curious, like your take on it. I've done mindset work. We started in 2003. So this is like year 18, I guess. Yeah. Um, and just yesterday, on a whim, this woman reached out, one of our previous clients, to do a virtual kinesiology test with me for my knee. That's kind of been like aching for a while. Something came up around my throat chakra. She told me it was an event that happened when I was 13. And all of a sudden, this, this memory, because she said the words, um, it had to do with feeling rejected and being in the dark. And she was like, what happened at 13? I was like, I don't know. Everything was hunky dory, you know, like, uh, um, and then it hit me. Like it was the first heartbreak I ever had. It was the first girlfriend I ever had. It was the first heartbreak I ever had, et cetera. 18 years of personal development. Never once did this come up. Wow. Never. It, it, it felt so inconsequential in like the grand scheme of things. And there's things that I've visited thousands of times, like, like, you know, certain events you're like, there's this layer, there's this layer, there's this yeah. layer. So what was really cool this time is that like some of the work that we do now is more um, body, like, like feeling somatically what's happening. And all of a sudden, all this sadness arose. Like there was no mental stuff around it, but there was all this other sensation that I could feel was like trying to well up that I guess that 13 year old boy just never processed. <laughs> and I, I did like my release practice today. I sat with someone and it was this beautiful thing. I'm curious for you, like fear is something that right now, like everyone's going through some yeah. one way, shape or form. I don't care who you are. You're experiencing fear. I don't give a shit like how astute mm -hmm. you are or whatever. Like we're all experiencing it, but people have these tricks, right? That they can like bypass the fear through mental. I'm curious for you when you're working with people, there's definitely this like, part where they maybe try to hide from themselves the true impact like you did yep totally of what happened 
how do you start to go deeper with someone that they can actually heal these aspects so that they can, you know, flourish and thrive and do all the things that they wanted to do in their lives? Love the question. Yeah. Okay. So, um, one, it requires a, a deep level of permission to do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that as coaches, especially, you know, guy where you and I live in San Diego, so many of our friends and so many of our acquaintances are coaches, there's a lot of coaching without permission going on. And so the depth, Elon, of your like question, you can't reach that depth of breakthrough and of release without that permission. So one, it takes a tremendous amount of trust and rapport, first of all. Um, a, a level of safety and comfort that they're not going to be hurt again by reliving this experience or sharing this experience with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes to go there directly is really hard. Cause like you said, it's repressed in our mind. And so we often need to do a lot of work to release the layers that are actually covering up this root cause event in the first place. So some of the stuff that I do, like we'll do breakthrough sessions with clients where we do what's called a personal detailed history. And we go back into the significant emotional events of their past, whether it's with their parents or family or, you know, heartbreak or whatever that is. And we'll find these events that we can associate certain uh, decisions that were made that turn into limited beliefs or the start of an emotion, right? Because I think, you know, there's negative emotions, there's positive emotions, but are negative emotions really, really negative? Are they bad? I don't think they are, yeah. right? I think that there's labels that we give to a certain emotion and they get reinforced as we grow up and stuff like that. So um, I go into a personal detailed history with people where there is permission to share that openly. And once we find that root cause, what we'll do is we'll, to the best of our ability, preserve the learnings. Because with every significant emotional event, there's a powerful learning right? There's a lesson. And the fear, our mind is afraid of losing the lesson. So we hold on to the negative emotion. Hmm. And that was one really powerful thing is that if we can help somebody preserve the learning and release the emotion, then they get to maintain the breakthrough without reliving that pattern in their life over and over again. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. 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 Um, it's harder to explain like in theory without, you know, uh, but that's, that's kind of the process that I would take people through. And then the other thing is, you know, a lot of our fears are, are not because we're in imminent danger. You know, recently that was different, right? With the whole pandemic and COVID, like a lot of us were fearing for our lives, our loved one lives. Um, most of us watching this, uh, and I'm not all of us, but generally speaking, most of us are not in imminent danger on a daily basis. But we often fear, feel fear every single day. And uh, I know a lot of people that, that are in your community are also high achievers. And so for those of you watching that may think to yourself, I don't have fear, I'm not afraid of anything, I would ask, are you stressed? Because stress is just the high achievers version of fear. Mm-hmm. So um, everyone has that impact. And one of the things that we do is we actually go down into the worst case nightmare of what we're afraid of. Like a lot of people will avoid fear. They'll try to try to pretend like it's not there. And I say, no, let's actually dive into it. Let's write out in painstaking detail, literally like pen on paper, what our worst case scenario could be of this thing that we're afraid of happening. And doing that starts to bring, starts to like remove a bit of the emotional charge from it. Because then we can look at something logically too. We can look at what we can do to prevent it. We can look at what we can do to repair it. And there's just a lot of techniques for, for 
fear, releasing fear in that way. That's one of my favorite exercises, by the way, like yeah. writing down your worst case scenario. Yeah. Cause, um, when we like, so 2010, we lost everything and I was, my wife was pregnant at the time. Yeah. Guy introduced the idea of working together. And I was, al I was also pregnant at the time. I was also pregnant at the time. <laughs> Not much has so, changed for guy. Yep. With this, with this baby. Um, <laughs> and I would come down to this office to work and every day that I came down, actually, it wasn't even down here. It was like to the office. I had an office upstairs. That's but right. every day I walked into the office with this, inc I mean, like, it's amazing what the mind will do, right? So mm -hmm. my vision was that if I don't succeed and if we don't start making money, uh, I had a vision of me and my wife mm -hmm. in a box in the rain in New York City, holding up a sign, begging for food and money while holding this baby. Like that was legitimately what my mind had created as this, like, if you don't succeed, this is what's going to happen to you. Yeah. And so for months I would come down and I would be in so much stress and worry. And then one day I just remembered that exercise of like, write down your worst case scenario. And I started to write this story down. And like you start to write it down and it almost makes you laugh because you're like, there is no fucking way that this would ever happen. Like yeah. my parents live 12 minutes up the road in a house that could easily fit us. Like if someone came knocking on the doors, like get out, like I'm literally packing my stuff, driving 10 minutes, 12 minutes up the road and like, I'm good. But the mind has this effect on us that is just so overwhelming. And so I'm trying to build business while this month, like gorilla is just sitting on my back of like, you're going to put your family on the street and be begging for money. And so as soon as he said, that, I was like, Oh my God, that exercise is so powerful. Like even now, I think for wherever people's fears might take them, yeah. it probably behoove them to just sit down and write like, what's the actual worst case? Cause afterwards, when I got re to reality, like what's the actual worst case? Oh, I get to move in with my parents and like regroup. Totally. So that's not bad. Yeah. Like, there's, a lot, there's a lot of steps between best there's case so scenario and worst steps. case scenario. Wait, yeah. There's yeah. so many steps, but you're so right. Like our mind creates this paper dragon that doesn't exist and it doesn't recognize any other possibility. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's wild success or homeless. And there's a few steps in between. Right. And so to recognize it, but also looking at like, not just writing it down, but also writing down, okay, if I'm going in this direction, what are some things that I could do to prevent this from happening? Because I believe that there's actions that we could take. And again, I, I don't believe that we're in control of much, but I think there are certain actions that we can take to prevent a bad, bad outcome from happening. And then if the bad outcome happens, what are some things that we can do to repair it? You know, you guys are both super smart. You're resourceful. You're driven. You're committed. Like you're going to find a way. And when we look at that logically, it just reduces that charge, that fight or flight response that we're in, that a lot of people are in just not even consciously aware of. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and constantly. And that's the interesting thing, right? How, how emotions can like magnify things well beyond the reality. So, I, you know, it's funny, like it would seem so simple to sit down and just like, right, here's my main concerns. The thing is, most of us are not, um, you were concerned about like the language you're using and explaining, but it's really just creating distinctions in the mind between like really what's in reality and what the mind is projecting that's happening. But people don't 
associate with reality. They associate with the mind projections. They associate with their feelings a lot more. And, and, and all those are great tools and they're pointing at something, but they're not necessarily giving you the whole picture or certainly not telling you what are your opportunities right now, what's possible for you right now. Um, they oftentimes draw you into like a really narrow uh, field. And I'm assuming, right, like people that end up working with you like most coaches and most people that get into entrepreneurship, it's like right out the gate, you're sprinting. It's like everybody during this pandemic, everyone's sprinting. You're like, no time for moon. You got out some time off from work. And then it's like four weeks later, it's like, what the fuck did I get myself into? Because the the size of it seems really, uh, really big. What, what I think you'd do well, maybe you can explain a little bit about your process. And I think that's one of your strengths is you're able to build systems um, and like chunk things down into very consumable uh, yes. actions that people can take. And I think that's why I see you posting like constantly about like this client just got their first sale, this client just sold, da da da. And this is, you know, people who might've been in the field for months, years perhaps, and have been really struggling, but suddenly they just take these small actions and, and things happen really quickly for them. Thank you for, yeah, there are, there's so much complexity uh, that people can create in building a business, right? And so specifically with, with a coaching business, there's a lot of different things from, you know, choosing a niche and coming up with your messaging and building funnels and emails and all that stuff. And eventually, you know, all that stuff are projects that you're going to want to work on to build a business. But if you try to do all of that at once, it's a deer in the headlights. It's terrifying. It's overwhelming. It's confusing. And you can't create from a place of scarcity or a place of, of overwhelm. It's really, I mean, you can, but it's not the highest and best use of creation. And it's not going to produce the results that you want. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I'm a huge believer in like systems and processes. And I think the reason is because I've, I've found that most of my childhood was so unstructured mm. that I became hyper-structured and I swung the opposite way. And so my habits and my rituals are dialed in and now they've gotten to a point of unconscious competence to where like, I don't feel like I need to rely much on willpower or discipline, but I had to in the beginning. So when I look at the journey of a coach, there is a sequence that any coach could follow to build a business. And, you know, I think the two things that stop coaches more than anything else and any entrepreneur would be one is, is. Uh, fear of taking action, like just the inability to be quick to implement. And then the other one is distraction. And you guys know in this space, there's a whole lot of distraction, sure. right? And so part of my job is not to add more to our students' journey and their to-do list, but to remove the noise and to say, all I want you to do for the next seven days is this one thing. And not kind of sh like show the end in mind, have the end in mind, but kind of keep the projects out of sight until they complete one, which opens up another. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, and that's so critical because even with that, there's still students that get overwhelmed and, and, and I think that's part of the human experience. But um, to have a process to follow, to trust that plan and to implement it and to really metaphorically have blinders on. Like if you imagine a racehorse, yep. there's a reason why those racehorses kind of have those blinders on where they're not trying to compare themselves to the horse next to them. They're just staying in their lane. And I feel like that's a critical path to any entrepreneur as, as we grow a business. I think that's, that's a path for any, look, Anyone, like literally right? learning anything, not yeah. just a business. I mean, um, I picked up the guitar with my two kids. So uh, eight and a half year old and a seven year old. And mm -hmm. look, we're all learning together and just watching three completely different character styles. And, you know, I have different tools. They have different tools. Like, 
how we go about learning mm -hmm. and what that process, it's fascinating. And like, this is the second time I've tried to learn guitar. And the first time was with a friend in our office, just like, hey, let's try this song. Hey, let's try this song. And this time I was like, my kids will never do that and I'll never do that. So we got a program where it's like, you know, step by step by step. And I have to tell you, I'm not a detail oriented person at all. Like I'm not, I'm more big vision, big picture, things like that. This has made learning such a joy this time. My fingers don't hurt as much because the playtime is shorter. There's a, there's a logical progression where you're like, okay, you know, it's like those little baby steps, all the things that we tell people to do. I'm now doing with guitar. I'm like, oh, that stuff really works. Yeah. So true. I'm feeling, I actually am experiencing the same thing Elon, with golf. I, I golf and I played in high school. I used to be really good. I'm not as good anymore, but I started golf lessons back in January and I'm literally rebuilding a swing from scratch, which is super uncomfortable because I've got 20 years of conditioning or 25 years of conditioning of something I've done over and over again. And now we're throwing all that out the window and we're starting from scratch. And I'm starting with the grip of a golf club, which I'm like, this is so meaningless, but it's so critical to a foundation because I had a really uh, kind of uh, in, in unstable uh, foundation. So we're rebuilding, we're doing it like one piece at a time. And it's actually making the, like I'm having to suspend the, I already know this. I have to like come into this as this student with a beginner's mind who who's never learned this before and just kind of be like this putty that somebody can help shape into the foundation that I need to have a, have a solid golf swing. So, so I have a, a question about that because it's yeah. really interesting and I think it's like such a good metaphor for business. So I had the same exact experience. In fact, I still have the same exact experience with tennis. Yep. Um, I've been playing tennis now for eight years uh, I mean, I, I hit once or twice when I was like 12 or 13, but like legitimately playing for the last eight years. Yeah. And I didn't take lessons cause I was pretty much broke for the first three, four of those years. Uh, and then I took lessons. And by that time, you know, like you said, you have all these kind of like bad habits. Yep. Here's what's interesting to me. And I'm really curious on your take. Whenever you learn something new, so like you had years of experience and you were good at golf when you were younger and that created certain habits, right? Mm -hmm. But now you have a choice and that choice is I can just remember basically by like watching a couple of YouTube videos and like going out and hacking and blah, blah, blah. I can remember how to play yep. and that will get you X, right? Yep. Or like you said, you scratch everything beginner's mind and you're going to learn everything newly mm -hmm. with the idea my guess is to like be better than you were yep. and have a game that's probably longer lasting because when you're a kid like your body can move differently and you can do yes. things so it's like from a longevity perspective you probably couldn't play that way anyway yep. and yet there's this massive frustration when in your mind you're like i know how to do something but you got to break it all down and go like, all right, I'm going to suck yep. hard. That's something that I'm actually pretty good at for a while with the end goal in mind of like, I'm doing this for the longer game, quote unquote. And I just to transition this to business, like whether it's coaching, whether it's online business or anything, people are so short sighted. Like they just want 
this result, but they're not willing to kind of bring that. So I'm really curious for you, like, have you started to kind of see the, you know, the, the synergies between the two oh and what gosh. have you learned so, about yourself that yeah. that's helping you in business and things like that? Yeah, big time. So it is so humbling to take something that you were decent at and literally rebuild it to the point to where you're horrible at it. And you have to relearn everything from scratch. Like my ego took like a gut check big time. And I'm there and I'm frustrated. And I'm like, what? like I'm shanking, like I'm, I'm hitting shots that like I haven't hit since I was like 12 years old, like oh, horrible shots. Oh, like, what am I paying you for? And I'm like, I'm, I'm embarrassed on a golf course and like all this stuff. Right. So I, from the golf perspective, I, literally I was like, okay, I'm going to remove myself from the game and I'm going to just focus on drills and practice. Nice. And that was hard because I love the game right? The game is fun. The game is me being at Torrey Pines, like being out in nature, like, you know, love that drills as me being in front of a mirror with no golf club in my hand, focusing on this one minute body movement to get into position. Super like, like not as fun, but to your point, the longevity of, of my ability to play as I get older and also where I want to be in terms of uh, like just as good, as good of a golfer as I can be business. I totally see the same thing. Um, especially, you know, with our students and coaches, many of them come from careers that they've already succeeded in. Right. And so they have years of experience. They are already successful in that. And they're now learning new skills, like how to build a funnel and how to set up emails. And it's, you know, goes to like that book called mindset by Carol Dweck, right? The fixed oh, mindset versus the growth mindset. Yeah, great It's book. really, it's, I find it challenging to help somebody who holds on to a fixed mindset and has this belief that no matter what I do, I'm not good at technology. And that's challenging, right? To have somebody who has a belief like that to get them to open up and to, to have that beginner's mind. Um, so one is how do we make it as easy as possible and how do we make the quickest win so that they get feedback that reinforces, okay, good, I can do this. And here's the results that I get. And the more that we can do those quick wins with feedback, I think the more trust that, that I've seen from students on the path of, of kind of working on some of the more complex and bigger projects. Yeah. I want to, I was going to say, um, you're like, so Elon's a technophobe, like when it comes to that, like he's not a technophobe because he's a huge audiophile. He's a DJ. He's a million, there's a yeah, million yeah. things he's great at with tech. But when we started our business in 2011, we, we were like in the affiliate marketing space. Now for me, I'm like, you give me some buttons to push and I'm like the happiest person on planet earth. I'm like, nah, 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 nah. Just I got like buttons. Jewels, jewels coming down my face. I'm like, Oh, sales funnels. Oh, nerd, 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 nerd. <laughs> So, so we're in it for like six months and it was new year's Eve and I call him and we were, we were already partnered in business. We'd started the company officially in June, it's new year's Eve. And I'm like, Hey, look, I got to have a serious conversation with him. And at this point in time, like when we had serious conversations, it was like blowouts. It was just like tumultuous and like, fuck you, fuck you. Right. So I'm like, how am I going to have this conversation with my brother? I got, I basically got to tell him that he's like, by the way, what this was on new year's day on new year's Eve. New Year's Eve. Yeah. 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 So I'm like, how am I going to tell him that he's like not doing his part in the business? You know? So I'm like, Hey, look, I'm like, by the way, have you noticed, you know, (laughs) but the the reality was I was learning a lot of the tech. He was kind of having conversations with people, but he didn't know the affiliate side of the business. So he couldn't really explain to them what we were doing because he didn't really know what we were doing. (laughs) 
but I was just like, just talk to them about their lives. That's pretty much what I, I said to them. I'm like, build rapport, right? Yeah. In today's terminology, I'm like, build rapport. And I'm like, and if it feels good, like the conversation will escalate, we'll have clients. But I told him, I'm like, look, all those people on stage that we see at events, I'm like, do you look up to them? He's like, yeah. I said, do you think there's anybody I would walk up to on that stage and ask these questions that I'm asking you right now? And they wouldn't have an answer. And he goes, no. I said, well, I think we'll move a lot faster if you like give up this story about your tech and you start looking at it. And of course, like for the first three weeks, you wanted to bang his head against the wall. But that's like, you know, oops, anything else, right? You got one of these, like, I don't care what you're doing. It's going to be very challenging in the beginning. So um, I, I think that, like you said, that's a really great book. I, it also brought to my uh, thinking we always share about mastery, Robert Greene. You ever yes. read that book? Yeah. And he it. talks about the student practitioner master yeah. and like kind of what you guys are talking about. It's like that ability to go back to being the student and the practitioner over and over again, instead of just being squarely focused on mastery, because the, the abstraction of like taking something that's in form and then making it your own happens after you've become a student and after you've practiced it a long time. And when you start edging towards mastery, whether it's just a swing or even a piece of it is when you can start getting playful and make it more your own, which is where like everything starts popping off totally. more. Yeah. Yeah. I love, so from, from learning and implementation, I love this conversation because with our students, I always say that number one, uh, a lot of people start with anything and we want it to be as perfect as possible, right? We're reinforcing our education system that right. perfection is what we get good grades for and anything less is we're a failure. And so we beat ourselves up, whether it's the conditioning from an education system or society or family or whatever that is. So our philosophy in Fearless Coach Academy is done is always better than perfect. And let's literally get the first version out there with mistakes. Let's get it out there and ship it in order to get feedback to know what we need to improve upon it. Because one of the, my favorite presuppositions, guys, from NLP is there's no such thing as failure. There's only feedback. And if we can condition our mind to actually intend to like reach that next failure as quickly as possible, we're going to be that closer to growth or momentum or the next success on the, on the other side. Um, and then done is better than perfect. The other thing I was, Oh, the other thing I was going to say is, um, when we work with students, we always give them different frameworks to follow and not to like blindly copy, but to model in the beginning is really, really nice. It's kind of like having training wheels, right? When we're learning to ride a bike. So, I always suggest adopting something in the beginning if you feel unfamiliar and then over time adapting it as your own. And that's really critical, right? Elon, as you're learning guitar again, right? Or when you were learning guitar, you were probably adopting different techniques from whoever you were learning from. If you were to try to adapt that without the foundation of what you adopted first, you probably wouldn't be making good music, right? Um, so yeah, that's... That's kind of How what, do you get people to, so like, I, I like the, the whole, you know, little, little wins. I think that's really, really powerful. Um, there's a piece in the beginning, right? Like that, that confusion, that fear. So when you're talking about uh, being fearless, for example, like one of the things, what was that quote, bro? Uh, Courage is not the absence of fear. It's the uh, willingness to take action while yeah, fear is there kind of thing. Yeah. I know Guy and I for, I mean, easily a decade were, were convinced that we are going to somehow evolve past this fear piece. Like we're going to learn enough 
<laughs> yeah. where fear were no longer going to be a thing. And then, you know, as we did more and more and more work, we kind of realized like it was a, a part of us. Yeah. So as a coach, uh, I know that you're kind of in a similar business where it's like your business is ever expanding and, mm -hmm. and what you're probably called forth to bring forth and like who to work with and the capacity that you work with. Uh, because I think as coaches, the one thing that underlines all of us is we want to make a difference. Like, I don't care how you do it, but that's the reason that we, we coach, right? So mm -hmm. in that making a difference, we never get to a point where we go, all right, I'm good. Like, this is where I want to make a difference. Like, I'm done. You know, like, there's always this drive to like, I want a bigger, bigger difference, bigger impact, mm -hmm. et cetera. So how are you dealing with fear as you keep expanding into these greater and greater versions of yourself, self-expression of yourself, yeah. you know, things like that. What are some of the things that you're going through and practicing? Yeah. So, um, I think my biggest fear in business right now is I'm at a point to where it's critical that I start letting go of control yeah. and I start delegating and, you know, the, the keep your head down and just, you know, implement served me really well the first few years. And it got me to a point that I'm at now. And that very thing that got me here, right, won't get me there. That's kind of that phrase. So the thing that I'm doing, um, because I, I'm doing exercises of surrounding myself with people that have already crossed that gap. So like I think about friends of mine or mentors or, you know, people that I see who've crossed that threshold of, okay, at this stage, now that you've reached a capacity of what I personally want to be doing. I could, I could work longer, but that's not supporting the lifestyle that I want to have. Right. It's now, okay, how can I hire someone to do enrollment for me? Um, we onboarded a coach in February. We've been training him. Now he's helping deliver our coaching to our clients, which is so great. They're actually getting way more value because it's not because I'm no longer the bottleneck. You know what I mean? So seeing mentors who've done that has helped me tremendously because I've learned from them. And then also, I'm a big believer in documenting my own growth. I've done this. I don't know. I don't think I consciously did this. You know, this is kind of like me connecting the dots, looking back. I had no idea I was intentionally doing this at the time. But by documenting my growth of my fears and my doubts and my insecurities and literally talking about that in videos into the Facebook group or through my marketing, it, it gave me permission to to be comfortable with being afraid. I wasn't trying to pretend somebody who like, who, who wasn't, a, does that make sense? Like I, I wasn't trying to pretend there. So I would document that. And I think that that actually attracted people who are like, Oh, okay. If he's afraid and he's gotten here, then maybe he can help me. And there was a bond that was created through a message like that. Yeah. So surrounding myself with people who've kind of overcome those plateaus uh, is one. And then continuing to just remind myself that like everything that I'm desiring, like the moment I'm stopped, I stop being afraid is a moment I'm in my comfort zone. Yeah. Mm. And I don't want to settle. Like I've, I've seen people in my life settle. And for me, growth is my highest value. And so as long as I'm growing, I know I'm going to be outside of my comfort zone. So that means that if I feel like an imposter today, if I grow 10 X, when I grow 10x, it means I'm probably going to still feel like an imposter then. Maybe not at severe, but that imposter syndrome is something that I'm like, I'm not trying to run away from that. It's because I'm at a new level that I've never been at before. Yeah. In this lifetime. Yeah. So true. <laughs> I don't know if this will be a hard one to answer. So, you know, obviously Peter's, you guys can get like his, his, 
at least the the message to market is like this this fearless thing right but that there's so much nuance to that because i agree elon and i i don't know if i ever thought i would be fearless i was more like i wanted to be able to take action in the face of any fear which i think is still true today what was missing was my ability to actually feel through the fear i was just constantly like moving around the fear trying to readjust to change my frame and like you said i was experiencing continue to experience stress and anxiety um not acknowledging that the fear had like shifted and and we got a long way in life on on the gasoline of fear so to speak it's yeah. just not the life that i ultimately wanted just like you did you i need to change my game <laughs> right yes. i need to change my swing because long term i was looking at that and i'm like i'm going to create a lot of things that are going to put me into prisons that I don't want to be into. I'm going to build my own hand, handcuffs. Yeah. And I'm like, and this, and this stuff felt important. So we started going down that path. So it's interesting because now I see that you're getting a little bit more into abstraction, which to me speaks to a level of mastery when one can be stabilized when things are unstable because life is very abstract, right? So that's not like, I don't need... I don't need all this structure to make me feel stable. I'm going to let go of some of these things and test it and notice that. So if you were going to write another book, because you've already mm -hmm. written one, like what's the book you would write today? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I said it's a hard question, but like what, 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 like what is a, what do you feel like now is like your principle? Like maybe it's fear, but it's, it's grown or it's changed in some way. Like what, what's the message you would want to, tell people uh, I because like my my first book wasn't focused on coaching at all it was focused on uh, it was focused on fears called the fearless mindset so it was like actionable strategies and mindset shifts i feel and sean would pray like he would praise me uh, for this over and over again mm -hmm. he said that i had i had zero fear of rejection like i had no problem being rejected at all wow. um and it's interesting because I let, I live most of my life to like seek approval and validation, which is kind of the opposite of, of you know, it's the avoidance <laughs> of rejection. Um, I feel like there's a book inside of me uh, specifically for coaches and getting, uh, breaking through any of that fear of judgment and rejection. Like that's what I want to teach them because I can teach and you guys can teach the best strategies in the world around marketing and lead gen and all that stuff. But if someone is fundamentally frozen by their fear of family or friends judging them, which I was very for most of my life, um, those strategies won't help. And I am, again, I, I'm so lit up about helping coaches specifically just because I see that that has a ripple effect. Like if I can help a coach make that shift, the amount of people that they can impact is far greater than who I could impact alone. So that's, if I was to write a book, that would be, um, I don't know what the name of it would be, but that would be the idea of it is helping them break through those fears so that they can get their message out there and be more courageous in helping humanity. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I think I find in general, yeah, people get into entrepreneurship. It's, it's rare. I always say like Elon and I, our whole life is ass backwards. You know, when I was like getting jobs, I accidentally worked for a con man for a while. So my, I guess my parents had right to be suspicious of what I was doing. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know I was working for a con man, but I think I was, I still don't know, but it, it, it definitely felt like it. Um, and I remember like we would get these jobs and my dad would be like, honest, like, why are you going to work that job? That's ridiculous. You get on Elon, like, I'll give you 60 days. You got to figure this shit out, you know? Uh, I'm, I'm overplaying. I'm way overplaying my dad right now. He's not. He's not mean like that. Uh, but th but that was like the the tenuous nature of the relationship. And then like I always say, it's so funny because I I went into the affiliate marketing space with four hundred dollars in the bank, 
I, I bought this thing that I was sure was going to make me a millionaire. It cost me $397. Of course, it, of course. Yeah. I, I actually wrote a check out for a million dollars and, and postmarked it six months out because checks were still a thing at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and of course I made my million dollars within the first six months. Um, <laughs> read the disclaimer here. No, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was actually 1 million, $22,374.66, remember? Exactly I was that say number. If you click on this button right now, you're going to miss out on making million dollars. Yeah, act now. But wait, there's more. This comes with Peter Scott. Um, so I remember like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this affiliate marketing thing. And I remember I go downstairs and I'm shaking because I'm telling my parents, I'm like, no job for me. I'm going to sit upstairs in the computer and I'm going to figure out how to tinker online and make money like sitting here while you guys are all out there and i remember i told them what i was doing and they're like that sounds great and i'm like come again and they're like yeah that sounds great and i say that there was this epiphany moment for me because i realized that what had always been missing was my own clarity of center in what i was up to and like that i was being mission driven and there was something about my actions that i was taking and how i was approaching it that my parents could see that this wasn't like before it's like when you meet the one and your parents see you with that person they're like oh yeah this is not like those other relationships this is a different kind of relationship so and with for most people it's like they become entrepreneurs they invest a little bit of money and then their spouse or their friends are like why would you do something like that like you're just wasting your time so when you're talking about the book, I was thinking like a coach's first 103, like first 365 days. Like if someone could spell them out, like here's the conversation that your wife is going to have with you as yes. you spend your first $10,000 oh. and here's, here's how to approach it in a way that doesn't make her feel alienated. Right. Like, like that kind of stuff, because that comes up constantly to everyone. I, that's yeah. I got that sort of thing. Yeah. Go ahead. I love that, man. Cause I, so I published The Fearless Mindset almost five years ago now, four and a half years ago. feels like it was yesterday. It's crazy. And I'll never forget, like a few months before I published it, I was at, um, I was at a family reunion uh, in North Carolina. And it was, it was right after I'd launched my coaching business. I was starting to get clients. I was about to publish a book. I was leading my first retreat shortly after that. And I remember going to this family reunion so excited. Like, cause I was going to tell my family what I'm doing. And, uh, I remember sitting down at dinner and, uh, my grandmother asks me, uh, kind of what I've been doing. Cause she knew I was working in investment banking. And then I had moved to San Diego and she just had no idea kind of, like what I was working on. And I announced that I had just, you know, written a book and it was about to be published. And these are what I was going to help people with. And I remember she stopped and like, everyone was paying attention to me. They were kind of like listening to what her reaction was going to be. And she said, Peter, if you end up publishing this book, um, we're going to disown you Wow! because you're going to ruin the family name. Wow. Like no, like no bullshit. Like she says it straight like that. And my heart sinks. Cause like, this is, a family member helped raise me, right? I lived with her as a kid at times. Um, she helped raise me. I lived my whole life to seek her approval and her validation. And I remember like running off to the bathroom and just like breaking down crying Wow! and being devastated, being mm. so excited, being in this ecstatic state and then feeling that. And I had a choice to make. And, and the choice was, do I, do I let my need Like, do I I let my need to have my family comfortable stop me from doing this? Or do I release that 
and pursue this path and publish the book no matter what, even if I lose love and even if I lose all of that from family. And it was terrifying. And I had to suspend my need to make family comfortable. And that was really, really hard. But it was also the greatest freedom in my entire life. And it required like have some real uncomfortable conversations, but being direct and being like, this is, this is my mission. I'm committed to this no matter what. It, it was a decision that I made. And I just think that guys, you mentioned that, like that's my, I'm, I'm feeling like tingly right now, like thinking about how many other entrepreneurs, coaches, humans have those moments where they pursue a vision of theirs and the person they love most or a person who's significant in their life says, no, you're wrong for that. Who are you? Who do you think you are? Um, all of those things. And that's when you've got to be able to have the tools to communicate that, but also not try to convince them and change their right. mind. I think that was a big lesson for me as I had to release my need to change her mind, respect and appreciate her view. Cause she was coming from a place of love. Actually, she just wanted me to be safe. You know, and I think that's another thing is that when we feel resistance from loved ones, we think that they're wrong. And if they just were on my side, but they're trying to help us in that, it's just a fear-based love. Yeah. yeah. We, we were on a podcast, I showed Bledsoe and uh, something that came out of that that I really liked is we were talking about the current time and situation. We said, everybody falls back on their training right now. So for him, it's yes. like what, what he went through when he was in, in the military. And, you know, for us, it's our spiritual and personal development coaching. It's like, it's how you deal with the stress of the moment is the training that you got. So he's, he's out in a cattle farm. He's like, I got to get food and I got to get survival gear, you know, and we're just like, we're like, it's all good. The Messiah is coming, you know, like whatever, but that, that's the training. So, but that's true. You, you know, stress, stress like consciousness is defined in a very narrow path. And we don't realize that pretty much everyone is in fight or flight situations all the time. It takes just a small trigger for someone to get into that and then fall back on their training. But it's all coming from wanting to create more safety for that particular system or in the world in the way that that person's been trained to do it. So, and a lot of people rub up against that classic point of view, you know, like whether you're, whether you're coming out of the closet to your parents or telling them that you're an artist or an entrepreneur, in a lot of ways, it kind of ha- it's kind of in the same vein. Certainly, being totally. an entrepreneur is, doesn't deal with the same thing as like someone who's you know uh, coming out as a homosexual, but you know has like sniffs of the the same thing. Meaning like it's it's a it's a it's a lifestyle. It's a form of artistry. And I think like really the only difference between an entrepreneur and an artist is <laughs> entrepreneurs actually intend to make money, where <laughs> 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 artists are like I just want to put this out in the world, whatever it is. But we are seeing that shift too, where it's like business has become so much about service and about the exploration of, um, of self-expression yeah. and somehow measuring that in a way that's quantifiable enough for people to say, I want that too. And I want to remunerate you because I'm getting that value and how I get to express myself that way as well. So it's just, we're in a very interesting time. Uh, and you know, we used to work with way more entrepreneurs than we do today. And that was like one of the top questions. Everyone, everyone's like this and that's stress. And I, I agree. It's like managing that conversation, not managing it, but, but like standing in your ground while also understanding other people's perspective instead of like the defensive patterns that people take on yes. has been the ways that most people have dealt with that in a really successful way. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Peter, I have a, I have two things that I still want to pick your brain about. Yeah. Uh, one is Sean and the other one is Corona life. So um, let's, uh, let's start with Sean because I know he was just a monumental uh, figure in your life and a mentor. And 
truly like one of the most unique and amazing wise human beings I, I ever got the chance to meet. I know you, you knew him at a much deeper level. Um, I'm curious how, and, and I'm sorry if this is like too grim and if you don't want to talk about it, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to pause, but um, I know having a mentor like that and then losing someone could be, you know, can bring up all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, I also know that Sean had the most amazing way with words and stories and, and just bringing perspective that always made you think way beyond what you could. So I'm curious, like in his passing, um, what, what's opened up for you? What, what have you seen? What lessons have you gained? Um, I'm just, I'm really curious. Yeah. Um, thank you for asking that Elon. This is beautiful. And it's timely because, um, Next week would have been Sean's 41st birthday. So, um, yeah, his, uh, he's on my heart right now. Um, I'm not a father yet, but I believe that Sean, one of his most significant impacts in my life was shaping me to become the best father I could possibly be. Wow. Um, you know, I, uh, I didn't have the greatest relationship with my dad, loved him deeply, but we didn't have the tools uh, to communicate well. And so... Sean wasn't just a brother and a best friend, but he's almost like a father figure early on in our relationship. And he would coach me through, you know, things and, and kind of shine lights on blind spots that I didn't even see. Um, and, and a few, we call the brotherhood, which are all guy friends of Sean's, Sean and I. And um, my friend Tiamo said that he had this vision uh, of Sean uh, who was here on this earth in this, in my lifetime to help prepare me for becoming a dad because I didn't have a great father figure in my life. And now he is wherever he is preparing the soul of our future baby mm. to, to come into this world. Um, and to be, you know, to be that version for, for me to be the best I could be as a dad, I guess is wow. all I, you know, what I could say. Um, he had this way of, he could say anything. Uh, you know, he had this way of being able to literally say anything. Um, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't accept an insecurity or a fear that you had. Yeah. Which is really, really beautiful. Cause I think sometimes our closest friends for some reason, because of the dynamic of a friendship, we're afraid to be mirrors to our friends. We, we want to make them comfortable. And he was, he just kind of created a line in the sand where he was unwilling to do that because he knew that it wasn't the best for our highest selves. Yeah. Um, and so he was an example to me in so many, in so many ways. Um, and like, yeah, I, uh, I have a picture of him um, where he's on my back. I don't want to grab it. Hold on. I got to yeah, show yeah. this because it's, I love this picture. I love that picture too. Actually, when, when, when you guys are talking about it, it was the exact image I had in my head was this picture. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so this picture, I know it's hard to see cause I've got a ring light. Yeah. But, yeah that's, um, that's Sean on my back and that's us hiking in Sedona, Arizona. And I feel like, you know, this signifies like me being, uh, almost like Luke Skywalker and him being Yoda, like being the person who's like, even though he's not physically here on my back, he's always here with me everywhere okay. I go. Um, and that bond is just, it's 
it's hard to put into words. Isn't it amazing? Like the best mentors that their voice never leaves you. It's like, it's, they almost become that saintly wise inner voice in your head. You just hear words. Like you might read a book, but you read it. It's like their tonality and their, their voice coming at it. And you're like, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I feel I like, that. like being, being friends with Sean was like, uh, I got like a fast pass of my own spiritual growth. It was like an accelerator, like, uh, yeah, just super, super blessed. Yeah. It was really interesting. I, um, I had listened. So this is how I met Sean. I had listened to a podcast. I think he was on, um, I love marketing or something with, uh, with those guys. And I was like, you know, they, they, they always interviewed great people, but this was like my kind of person. I was like, Oh my God, I, I love this guy. I ended up going to the, um, uh, what's it called? 25 K whatever. Genius network. Genius network. And, um, a buddy of mine goes, Hey, I'm organizing like a small little dinner. Do you want to come? I was like, yeah, sure. And lo and behold, like Mindy and Sean roll up to the table and we ended up just sitting next to each other and I'm sitting there. I'm like, this is fucking surreal. Like (laughs) I just listened to you on a podcast with this like, wow thing. And I was like, now you're sitting next to me. We had this amazing time and ended up hanging out that entire weekend. And yeah, him and Mindy were, uh, she's another one. She's just like, I mean, obviously she ended up with Sean. She was a catalyst for me, Elon. She like, she helped me launch my first website. I didn't know what I was doing on WordPress and I was living with Sean and Mindy. I actually moved from Chicago to be out there. Uh, I was only supposed to be there for a month. I was there for a little bit longer, but um, I was there to just kind of be near them. And both of them had, had I not been near them, I wonder if I would have launched my business because I remember feeling so much fear of the unknown and uncertainty that I remember that little like whisper in the back of my mind of like, just go back into investment banking. You've got the network, just find a yeah. job. You know, you've got the, you can find the security there and having them in my life was such a, a rock for me to be like, okay, you know what? I'm going for this thing. So yeah. it's interesting. Cause now you do something very similar in the sense of like, I think one of their core things was finding people that had a message. I'd say it even differently, like had a light inside of them that were afraid to shine that light. And they just gave you full permission to do that. And if you weren't shining your light at the level that they knew that light could be shown, they were just going to call your ass on it and be like, what the fuck? And that was the conversation I had with Mindy. She's like, what do you want to do? Okay, what's stopping you? And we just sat through it. She's like, what it would look like? Da-da-da. I literally called a guy the next day. I was like, bro, we're putting on a live event. He's like, that was the most, that was the most expensive conversation of our lives. When I met Mindy at Peter's wedding and, and it was right after his passing, it was like what I told her. I'm like, you know, that conversation with my brother, she was, she was like, yeah, it was so great. I'm like, yeah, that cost me $150,000. <laughs> And I think a few sleepless nights, if I remember correctly. Oh my God. That- we, we were in uh, Mexico, guy, for New Year's, and you guys hadn't even started like building the event, and that was, the event was February, right? So it was like yeah, the first one. Yep. Forty-five days of like hustle. Not yeah, even. hustle. I think, I think it was three and a half weeks to do that entire thing. That was probably one of the most stressful experiences <laughs> of my entire life and one of like the biggest uh, surprises and like amazing experiences, but like start to finish, that was, uh, that was Herculean. Yeah, for yeah. sure. 
So, so switching gears, and thank you for sharing that so so beautifully. By the way, it was really interesting to watch you and feel you as you share that. Your heart just like mm. just grew as you were sharing that story. It was really beautiful to thank watch. Um, just in in the timeliness of everything that's happening, like we spoke about it and hinted to it, everyone's experiencing fear. You know, fear of uh, what will happen with them financially, fear of what might happen to their business, fear of what might happen to their relationships fear of what might happen to their health. Um, I'm curious, two things. One, any messages for those people? And two, just like, where are you at mm -hmm. with everything that's happening and everything that you know? Yeah, um, I'll share the, I'll answer the first question first because uh, the first couple of weeks, I was a mess. I was all over the place. You know, I remember Amy and I, my wife, were having arguments that we've never had arguments about because I was in such a fight or flight response stress. And I remember when all this started, my habits went out the window. I remember the weekend, like all this happened. I, I didn't meditate. I didn't work out. I didn't have like all the bedrocks things that helped me kind of stand as an eye of the storm uh, were out the window. And so that was a really valuable lesson for me. Um, what I would advise somebody where they're at right now. And I, I, I've gotten to a place to where the mistake that I made was I, I didn't trust that I knew what was happening. So I was seeking out answers like so much so that like someone was going to give me an answer that I was going to kind of reduce the, the yeah. stress or the overwhelm when in reality, no one had the answers to something like this. We got a phone call. What was that? That was when I, we got a phone call. Holy, that's exactly right. Yeah. Right. So you got, you got to see that right, right then. Um, one of the things that I did to help stabilize was I started to guard my mind, um, not in a closed off way, but to just be thoughtful and selective of who I'm listening to sure. because there are so many media outlets and people that had all the answers, right? When in reality they, they didn't. And I'm a big believer, Elon, that the media is not designed to inform us, it's designed to startle us. Oh, yeah. um, and so I kind of went down that rabbit hole and got super startled. And so, you know, what I would recommend for somebody is of course, to the best of your ability, stay informed, but, at the end of the day, a lot of the people that are informing you have their own agendas. Um, that's my belief. And so uh, I would say, how can you zoom in and focus most on the things that you can control, which is your relationships at home and your own commitment to your health and well-being and your emotional state and really, really focus on being even more committed than you've ever have in your life to those things because that's what's helped me navigate this the last month, month and a half. Yeah. Um, and then focusing on serving, like whenever I'm in a place of, of fear or uncertainty or stress, uh, I actually focus out on helping others, which sounds counterintuitive because in those moments, there's a part of me that wants to just ask for help. But whenever I actually go out to family or friends or clients and serve and help them, I feel like I am, I'm, I'm providing a service and I feel like, um, I guess have, have more control of something that can't be controlled. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes sense in that way that a guy and I've been talking about this for years. It's like, whenever we're in high stress, high worry, et cetera, it generally means that all of our attention and focus 
has gone into me, 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 me world. Yes. So it's like the mind just wants to figure it out. The mind wants to understand the mind. And it's just me, 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 me. And like, I know for you, like us, service is one of the highest priorities. Mm -hmm. And when we're not, when we're about me, 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 we're not serving. And so it's this lifeline that basically like someone kinks the hose and then we wonder why we feel so crappy. And it's the second we go back to our essence and being of service that kind of like that thing unkinks and all that stuff that we were worrying about before might still be there, but it just doesn't have that same impact. And I think for anyone that you work with coaches, like if they think of the top three moments, they feel most alive throughout their day. Like it's going to be when they're of service for others. Otherwise, like this might not be the path for you. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. You know, that, that actually makes me think of Sean. Um, because Sean would help speakers, you know, become world-class speakers. And he would do this thing at his event to where he would bring somebody up with a debilitating fear of failure or of, uh, of, of public speaking. And he would ask 10 people in the audience to come up who've had real challenges in their life. Uh, people that maybe uh, have been diagnosed with cancer or they lost a loved one or they just went bankrupt, like real serious, uh, you know, challenging moments in their life. And they would share this, um, and the person on stage, they let's say their name was Sarah. They'd share this, and, and they would say, "Sarah, I need your help." Mm. And what happened to the person who was terrified of speaking is they stopped focusing in on their fear, and they started focusing out on service and all the people that have pain in their lives that needed to hear their message or feel their light and see their light. And so Sean would always say that uh, fear of public speaking is an unconscious act of selfishness. Yes. It means we're more concerned about how we look and how we sound than actually helping humanity. And I just thought that was so powerful from not just coaches and entrepreneurship, but anything, right? Um, When you share your voice, it's not necessarily to be heard um, for yourself. It's to actually just help the people that need to hear that that message right there. So true. Yeah. Th- this, we've been saying it time and time again on every call, like it's now. Yeah. It, it's kind of like now or never. Th- this whole game that people are playing of like, I'm going to hold my light and be in the shadows and I'm going to sit here and tinker around and figure out like the perfect website or the perfect yeah. product or the perfect book. I was like, if this is showing us anything, it's A, you have no fucking clue how much time you got. Like yeah. that is out of your hands by a long shot. Cause I don't think anybody ever perceived that we would live through something like this. Right. So that's one. The other thing is like, there's so much need. If that's what we're seeing, you know, like on media and there's so much need for mentorship and people to share messages of light and well being and, and whatever to elevate humanity's consciousness. So it's like, now is it. There is no more excuses for sitting around, thinking about it, et cetera. Like, you know, I know we're so, I have always said we want to create uh, Xavier School for the Gifted, kind of like X-Men, yeah. but for light workers. you know, just like for people who just want to go out there and do it. And so I just resonate with your message so much because you're basically giving people a um, a simple pathway to follow to actually make that a reality Mm. like holding the fear there but like 
th there is a path that one can follow to really do that. So, um, yeah, man, just awesome. I, I'm, I'm really appreciative. Um, bro, do you have any other questions or can we sh have him share where people can connect with him? I was just going to remark that on kind of what you said about like, no, no, but like we all knew we didn't have time because of people passing, you know, Sean's passing, right? Like all that. The reality is now it's like, we don't even know what society is going to look like. Yeah. You know, we, we've, and it's funny because most of us alive today have been around for a particular version of society. It's industrialized, it's efficient, it gets your needs met really easily. You don't worry about survival very often, at least in the Western world for the most part. Um, and it's like suddenly like that's been shaken, but the reality is it's like that's only been around for a few decades, 40, 50 years in that structure. Yeah. And it's like prior to that life was really different, but we've all, we've lost, we lost perspective on, on I think just what it means to be human. And we got really good at doing society. And I think now is this opportunity to like, kind of like Peter said, and like the rest of us, right, where we swing really far, where there's all this fear. And then we go to like, I'm not fearless at all. I'm going to have all this structure. And then suddenly like, structure is good, but like it, it removes some of my freedom. I want some abstraction back in my life. You can't find this balance. So I, I do hope that we, as a society, let go of a little bit of the structure of them because it's, it's its own prison in its own way and at least get back to some of the more basic fundamental things of being human that truly matter. And for me, as people are home with their loved ones, hopefully, yes, there's a domestic violence. I hope to some degree you understand like if there's violence, it's because there's a need that's not being met also yeah. and that you also want to get back to some of that. So I just wanted to um, remark on that. Um, yeah, uh, Peter, let people know uh, where they can find you. We'll drop everything in the show notes. And if anybody's watching this live, I've linked um, Peter's account as well. So you can feel free to reach out to him. For sure. Elon, I'm super grateful to you guys. This is awesome. Um, so thank you for having me. Um, for you watching, if you want to connect, uh, obviously my profile's here. If you search Peter Scott IV, that's my personal Facebook profile. Uh, if you're a coach, we have a private Facebook group that uh, we create a ton of training in called Earn 100K Coaching. And it's free. It's just ton of, you know, amazing coaches, uh, that are committed to making an impact and creating freedom in their life through transforming humanity. So that's a good spot. Um, I, my website is designafearlesslife.com. So if you want to kind of connect with me there, that's, those are the three spots. Beautiful. Yeah. Amazing. All right, friends. Thanks for joining us, Peter. Thanks for being here, buddy. Bye, Neil. Thank again. you, brothers. Really appreciate it. Thank you, brother. That was fantastic. I really hope you enjoyed that awesome conversation as much as we did delivering it. And as always, thank you for your continued loyal support and your listening. Now, if you haven't already done so, please make sure you go to Facebook right now and request to join our amazing private group. It's called Personal Development Without the Fluff. It is a quickly growing community with amazing souls and amazing support. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, I can absolutely guarantee that you will love that group. Also, as I mentioned earlier, if you head to satoriprime.com forward slash my Satori, you can grab that latest 90 minute mind expanding training for free. So go grab a notepad, a drink and buckle up for that one amazing ride. Well, until next time, have an amazing day, my friend. We look forward to personally connecting with as many of you as possible and seeing how Satori Prime can help you achieve your dream life today.